This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast with me, Sam Matterface, and Talk Sports football correspondent, Alex Crook. Now, regular listeners will know that at this tournament, we're proud to be in partnership with the lovely folks at Samsung. So joining us from the Samsung Neo QLED hub in the state-of-the-art Kings Cross store, we've got the former England striker, Darren Bent, and the former Chelsea Benfica and West Ham left back and Talk Sport Game Day regular, Scott Minto, to cast our eyes over what's happened at the tournament so far and what to expect in the future. It has been a cracking World Cup up until this point, but the heavyweights are ready to make their mark. And what names we've got? Brazil, Argentina, England, France, the Netherlands, Portugal, the runners-up in Russia, Croatia, and beautifully and miraculously... Morocco. Um, So, shall we find out what to expect when the quarterfinals get underway? It's the Game Day World Cup podcast from TalkSport. It's a huge test, but one that we're really looking forward to. It's a great challenge for our team now. We can go to that game with confidence that we can win it, you know, and the rest is up to us. I think this French team is very good and Kylian is obviously the best player in the world right now. If you want to win the World Cup, you have to, to play the best sides in the world and, and France is definitely one of those. What a chance! It was Jordan Henderson! Gareth now got England to a stage where they are more than capable of winning a major tournament. Kylian Mbappe is unstoppable. It's his fifth goal of this World Cup. He was born for this, born for the big stage, born for the tournament, born to be the leader, born to be the superstar. Kylian Mbappe is a joke. He's so, so good. Shaw firing it in. Madigan! always a kind of uh, a running joke about how England uh, haven't quite done it for a long time and we're out here to maybe prove a point. And now you can start thinking about what you want to do next Saturday night. I'll give you a clue. It's World Cup quarter final time. So let's start with Scott and Darren in the Samsung Hub. Hello to you both. Uh, what have been your highlights so far? Let's start with you, Darren. 
Uh, listen, I've enjoyed watching England get to this point. Um, I really enjoyed the dancing from Brazil. That's probably been my highlight because so many people hated it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's about their culture. I mean, that's that's what we expect when we watch Brazil. Um, but they've really impressed me. But England have gone about their business, I thought, really well. Bit of an overreaction to the USA result. But since then, I think Gareth Southgate with his team selection has got everything absolutely spot on. Yeah, Sam, I mean, shocks and surprises with the smaller nations beating the, the bigger nations. I think Lionel Messi still showing the, the fantasy football that he's been playing all his career that makes him and has made him the GOAT, in my opinion. England, as Bente says, getting through to the quarterfinals in, in really good fashion. You know, a lot of the big boys have been beaten. England haven't, as bad as that was against the USA. But actually just a really exciting World Cup when a lot of people didn't want to enjoy it. I think it's been brilliant. Uh, McCrook doesn't ever really want to enjoy that much. And uh, drumroll please here as we review his position on the tournament. He said that Denmark will be the dark horses. Argentina will win it. Changed his mind. Gareth Southgate is an imposter. And now he's backing him to lead the country to glory that they haven't seen for 70 years. And, and, and you thought that politicians spoke with forked tongues. What's been your highlight so far? Well, thank you very much for that. Probably being amongst the Argentine fans for the game against Mexico. Atmosphere, absolutely electric. Messi scores. But as, as the guys have said, the shocks that we saw uh, in the group stage, Japan um, beating Germany and Spain, Saudi Arabia against Argentina. And I've enjoyed watching England, not against the USA, but in the other games, I think they've been excellent. I've enjoyed the, the rise of Jude Bellingham. I think that will be one of the talking points of the tournament. Um, so, okay, this is just before the quarterfinals. So Gareth Southgate is now, what, a legend? Is that where you're, is that the position you're taking at this moment in time? And what position will you take on Sunday morning? Listen, uh, I've always been sceptical when it comes to Gareth Southgate. Does he have the ability uh, to take England to the next step? He's done a wonderful job. Of course he has. A final and a semi-final beyond our wildest dreams. I think he made mistakes in those competitions. I think he's evolved as a coach. And I think what we'll see against France this weekend, we'll talk about tactics later, but we will see an England side who want to impose themselves on the world champions rather, I think, the one who will be cowering in fear. I don't now think he will change his system. And I think that's the right move. Well, that's a big fingers crossed from all of us. Um, so just to have it right, so everybody knows, he's also said to me privately, you've got to know when to back the right horse. Um, Emphasis so. on the word privately. <laughs> <laughs> no such Seven thing when you two get together. You know that. Cookie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seven o'clock Saturday night, live on TalkSport. It's England against France. And let's start with what's going to be the talking point of the week, Scott. How do you stop them? Yeah, I mean, look, there's three things for me. One is our, our formation, which is what you've touched on. Two is stopping Mbappe. <laughs> uh, you can plan, but not easy to actually um, execute. And three, actually, I do think France have just a couple of weaknesses. And, and, and for me, I'll, I'll start with that one. I, I think Jules Kondi at right back. I saw Poland get down the left-hand side a couple of times. He's not an out-and-out right back. Positional sense as a good athlete as he is. I think he... He can be got at there. I think Lloris in goal as well. He's, he's liable for Rick. We've said that. We've seen it. Um, I mean, where do you want to go? Our formation or Mbappe? Because I, 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 you look at our formation, and I think, I mean, it has been a World Cup of shocks. But the start of the World Cup, Gareth Southgate would have said, we'll probably win our group. France will probably win their group. And we'll probably meet and we'll definitely meet, therefore, in the quarterfinals. And I think all the way, he's been quite happy to go with a back four, but in the back of his mind, always plan for a back three because how do you stop Mbappe? You try not to let him have the ball first and foremost. And the easiest thing to do is have Carl Walker behind him and Kieran Trippier in front of him. 
but we have done so well in this system that we're playing. And, and everyone has. Jordan Henderson has come in. Jude Bellingham has been brilliant. So it's going to be a really interesting one to see. I, I agree with Crookie what he said about Gareth. A little bit more positive. Um, but, but generally speaking, I think he has evolved. He made mistakes previously. Will he stick with the back four? I genuinely hope he does. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about formations and, um, and where England are going to uh, be aggressive because one of the great things that they've had so far in this campaign is that ability to get those two eights further up the pitch and engage the opposition. But Darren, England have been planning for this game since the draw has been made. In fact, Tim Dittmer, who's the FA's head of coaching, has been studying France for two years. He gave a detailed presentation on Monday morning at the team hotel to Gareth Southgate and his team of coaching staff. How much much will that preparation help and what would he have, have noticed about France? Yeah, I mean, it's going to help. When you've been studying the team, as you said, there for two years, of course, it's going to play a part. Um, but it's a little bit different when you're actually watching them than coming up against them. I mean, there's going to be surprises thrown in there, as it will be for, for France when they come up against England. But I just think what you've got to do, you have to impose yourself on this type of game. You can't sit there and wait and retreat and hopefully hope wait for uh, France to maybe make a mistake and you kind of capitalise. I'd like to see England get on the front foot, go at France, cause them problems because I know they've, they've got household names defensively, but I, I wouldn't say they've looked rock solid at all at the back. So I think for Gareth Southgate, I think over the, the, the course of the last couple of major tournaments, I think we've waited to kind of get beat by some of these better nations. I think now we're in a position where everyone's playing really, really well. Not only are the starting 11 playing well, but the bench having a real impact as well, getting goals. So I think I'd like to see in this game, Gareth Southgate, maybe take the game to France and see where that gets him because if we're sitting here after the game and he's sat back and France have had most of the possession and they've won 2-0, people are going to say the same thing. He's not had a go. Well, I think he's finally got the squad now to be able to do that and all the players in the squad are playing really well. Well, is that interesting, actually, because one of the great things about this England team is often over the years, they've been accused of arrogance, of being a little bit overconfident, everybody around the team having high expectations, expecting they're going uh, to go and win every single major tournament they've turned up for and, and never done it. But there is a humbleness about this group. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, with what Darren's saying there, he's suggesting that actually you need a little bit of arrogance to be able to turn up and go, you know what, we're going to take our game to you rather than worrying about you so much that we're just waiting to get beat. I think that's absolutely key um, because I think if he does change formation, obviously you then have to sacrifice one of those players further up the pitch. I think that would be a mistake. I think there's enough ability in this England team to exploit the French weaknesses. Obviously, coping with Mbappe is a big problem, but I actually think we've got enough good footballers that if this becomes a, a scoring contest, I think England can outscore France. And I think they are a humble group of players and that is what is so great about this class of 2022. They're all very likeable. That hasn't always been the case with the England team. But they're also top-level players and, and, and that will bring its own ego, arrogance, if you like. So I think they've got that in their locker. I don't think they're going to be in, intimidated by playing this French team. Um, Scott, tactically, tell me what the difference is between playing a three at the back and playing a four in terms of how it affects you going forward. Because one of the big issues, and we saw this, I was at the Portugal game on uh, Tuesday night and um, Switzerland, who had been pretty defensively resolute, decided that they were just going to try and keep Portugal out by playing a back three with two wing backs. And ultimately, they, they conceded a goal. They had very little going forward and surrendered a lot of the ball to their opponents. Now, England could find themselves in that situation, have found that themselves in that situation far too often in the past. So will that be in the back of Gareth's mind when he's thinking about constructing his team for this quarterfinal? 
I think is what's absolutely key is that I hope that he's kind of learned. I think he's been superb as an England manager. He's the second best England manager that we've had. But he has made mistakes and it has been, as, as Bente and Crookie have both said, been too defensive. With a three, you've obviously got the extra centre half. You've got the two wing backs. And normally, although you don't necessarily say that about Jude Bellingham, you'd have two central midfielders who probably just sit. But, but Jude, to be fair, can, can push on. So you've got, what, three at the back, you've got two wing backs and you've got at least one uh, central midfielder who's going to sit. In a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, you've got that extra attacking player because you're taking out one of the centre backs and you've got an extra midfielder or a wide player. So again, it's about very much being on the front foot. Still, the biggest thing for me, and I, I genuinely think, look, France have some quality players, but if you stop Mbappe... I believe you stop 70%. And that's where the battle for me is. It's been so good up until now. You don't want to change it. But if you stop their main player who plays out on the wing, whereas I've already said, you've got Carl Walker and Kieran Trippier, if you've got a back three to, to cover him. Look, I mean, I can try and sort of say what I think, how you'd stop a play like him. You can't do it for the full 90 minutes. But one, don't let him have the ball. You have someone in front of him. You have someone behind him. Two, if he's got the ball and he's not in the final third, make sure he comes inside. Don't let him go down the wing. Come into traffic. Three, if he's in the final third, do not let him come inside there. So just before you let him come inside, now you've got to get him down the wing. And Carl Walker has to drop his ego in terms of, I don't care whether he goes past him or not, he's not going to come inside and have a shot uh, going for the far post or the near post. And we've seen him score with both angles. And then four, once he gets the cross in, the defenders have to be touch tight to all their attackers. If everything's spot on, then there's got a chance of keeping him quiet. But he's such a quality player. He is probably the best in the, in the world right now. Darren, Steve Holland raised the possibility of deploying a soldier, as he called it, to man mark Kylian Mbappe. Are you happy going down that road or do you play a winger against him and say to him, hold on, let's see if you fancy going back the other way? I mean, I've seen it work both ways. I mean, we saw it in the Premier League this season with, with Son and Rhys James and it worked really well for Chelsea because Rhys James practically followed him everywhere and didn't give him a kick. Now, I think you're talking about different levels when you're talking about someone like Mbappe. But as Scotty was saying there, I think he is 70% of their attack. Now, what, what again I don't want to see happen is that, yeah, that might be a useful tactic because you're taking him out of the game. But I don't want to focus solely on one player. Yes, he's very, very good, but England have got some very good players in themselves. So I think if we spend so much time talking about Mbappe and trying to stop Mbappe, that takes away a large portion of what we're going to do. So I think England as a unit, I think are good enough, whether they go over four or a three, to take care of him. Yes, he'll have his, his opportunities because he's a world-class player. You cannot stop a player of that quality for 90 minutes. It's impossible. He's going to get free at some stage. But what you want to do is spend all your energy focusing on this one player and forget about some of the like, quality players who are playing really well in this tournament um, and let them go on and do what they've got to do because I yeah. still believe, if you look at the whole squad, I think England have got play. They've got Mbappe, yes, but England have got, you've seen Rashford come off the bench, Saka, Kane, Bellingham. I mean, that's four players there in itself that are all in top, top form. So as I said, I want to see England go on and play their game rather than worrying solely their whole game plan on Mbappe. England have always had a habit of losing to teams in major tournaments that have got a wonderful playmaker. And actually, Antoine Griezmann, who's had very few minutes during the course of the regular season because of a contractual dispute, um, has actually come to the fore at this tournament, I think. I think the way he's been deployed as a number 10 that drops deep, picks the ball out and uh, will create from, from, from deep positions in that number 10 position has really helped France become quite a, a attacking, fearsome side. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see how England combat that because do 
you use Declan Rice uh, to stay touch tight to Griezmann or does Declan Rice come over to the right-hand side to help out against Mbappe? It's a, it's a conundrum that I'm sure Gareth Southgate is trying to solve. France's best players are at the top end of the pitch. Uh, the midfield is young and I think uh, they have some weaknesses there. Scott's already mentioned defensively uh, they're not so strong but those are key battles against Griezmann and Mbappe. Yeah, they've got a lot of injuries in that central area. Of course, there's no Angolo Conte who's unavailable. Popper is unavailable for them too. So they'll probably play with Camavinga and Rabio in the centre of the park. I don't think those two would have been first choice no. prior to the start of the tournament. Um, I, I am a little bit concerned about you, Crook, because I'm a bit worried about what you're going to moan about on Sunday morning if England actually do win this game. Because you spent a load of time telling us about how pragmatic Gareth Southgate is. They're the joint top scorers at the tournament. 12 goals in four matches so far. They've had the handbrake off. They've only conceded two goals and that was when the game was dead against Iran. If they were to do um, the unthinkable and beat France and go into a World Cup semi-final, I mean, you, you're actually going to have to put a smile on that face. I think I've been quite upbeat about our chances. I, I'm confident. I think England will beat France and I think whoever wins this game wins the World Cup. That's how big this is for England on Saturday evening. Do you think it's that uh, pivotal, Scott? I, I Listen, bef before the Portugal game... Um, <laughs> the thrashing against Switzerland. I said, I said, whoever wins between England and France gets to the final. I still, Brazil are my pre-tournament um, favourites and I still think they're very, very strong. If you look at how they've been over the last couple of years, defensively and going forward and and, and absolutely, it's, it's been confirmation of that here. Once you get to a final, I don't know, but I do believe, even though Portugal were superb, the winners of England versus France will play Brazil in the final. Interesting. Darren, you know Crookie very, very well. You know that he's never short of a bold prediction. He'll either tell you that, that someone is the worst team in the world and they should be retired and never play football again or they're going to win the World Enough Cup. Enough of Ronaldo. Where do you, where do you stand <laughs> on it all? Imagine him being your dad, Sam. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, felt, I, was very, I was very pleased to take up Godfather juices just to add some sort of semblance of, <laughs> of, 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 of normality to those poor children's lives. Yes, go on. Sorry, Darren. Uh, I mean, I, I, with Scotty, I said before the tournament started, I said Brazil were my favourites and I'll, I'll stick by that. Um, but I think England, I've got a great chance. of get, We all knew that this was going to be the point where England were going to be tested. We all expected them to get out of the group. We knew they'd beat Senegal and it was about this France game. Now, if they can get past France, I, I still think it's going to be a tall order. I still think it's, gonna, it's a 50-50. But I do think still Brazil are the strongest team in this tournament. And then again, Portugal... Yet last night, I was surprised by them because I thought England could, could have kind of brushed past them. Mm. But after seeing their strength and depth in their squad and people taking their opportunities, it's going to be completely, it's going to be very, very difficult. But I'm still mm. going to stick with Brazil as my favourites. Do you think if it goes to penalties, England can hold their nerve now, having won, I think, two of the last three shootouts? Yeah, I, th I think they'll have learned from that. And I think if you look at the two goalkeepers, who do I fancy in a penalty shootout? Probably fancy Jordan Pickford out the two keepers. What about you two boys? Would you be concerned about penalties bearing in mind England's overall record over the course of their World Cup history isn't particularly good? Well, I don't know what country isn't concerned when they go to penalties and, and there's been some poor penalties, isn't there, already in this tournament? Oh, dear. But, uh, but, but I, I agree with Crookie. I, I'd, I'd go for Pickford over, over Lloris and I do think Gareth Southgate, because of what happened to him as a player and because he's constantly evolving, he's talked about it, he's thought about where they got it wrong and tweaked a few things. I... I I would be confident. I'd be reasonably confident that we could we could do it. Darren, do you know what, Sam? I, I think they would, but I just hope Gareth Southgate doesn't overthink it. 
I think we, we saw what happened obviously after the final and the abuse that some of the players got. I think he needs to leave that decision down to them. I, I hope he doesn't take them out the firing line and say, listen, I'm going to protect you because really at the end of the day, that's their decision. So if Rashford yep. wants to step up or Saka or if Sterling comes back, we hope he's well with what's going on back here. If he's back, if these guys want to step up and take a penalty, then I'd leave but, it up to them. But also, also vice versa as well, Sam. You know, you can practice, practice, practice and it's absolutely right to practice your technique. But if someone's not had a good game and they're just, it's not happened for them, you know, you need, you, I think there's a combination between practicing beforehand and then looking them in the eye and say, do you want it? You know, it's not like we're going to make a decision straight away. So for me, the practice is great and absolutely essential, but also what's the state of mind of that particular player in that particular moment? Yeah, and also there might have been things that happened in the game and, and that may well influence your decision. I'll just give him one piece of advice, Gareth. Let Jordan Pickford take a penalty because he can hit the ball harder than anybody else. And we saw that in a, a shootout against Switzerland in the Nations League. He, is, he, he can crack a penalty like no other goalkeeper. He, I mean, he's got such a good strike. You've got to allow him to do that. Also, he's got the personality. He doesn't care. Mm. He, he, he will do it. Um, if England defeat the world champions, it will be the first time that they have won a knockout tie against another so-called big nation in the major finals away from Wembley. That epic World Cup quarterfinal, England against France, is live on TalkSport from 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Make sure you join us uh, for that one. We've still got three more to look at. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is where things really do come to the crunch. Nothing like knockout football at the World Cup. Side and Dumfries, he will put it back to Pai! What a finish! Into the bottom corner! Messi has it again, goes for goal! Messi! Lionel Messi celebrates a grand worth of games with a grand old finish! Mbappe who curls it in! And Kylian Mbappe is unstoppable! It's World Cup quarter-final time! Saka on the score sheet again. England three, Senegal nil. Mario Pasalic can send Croatia through. 
He steps up, right footed, and he makes no mistake. Another sensational Brazil goal. The Samba style is very much in evidence. And for the first time ever, a World Cup quarter-final will be contested by Morocco. Gonzalo Ramos on a hat-trick, flicks it past the goalkeeper. It's a night he will never forget. This is the best performance we've seen from Portugal on the world stage for a long, long time. Three o'clock on Saturday, it could be that England have their semi-final opponents found out because it's Morocco against Portugal and the winners of which will play the winners of England or France in the semi-final later in the week. The Morocco coach, Walid uh, Regagui, has become the first ever African coach to reach the World Cup quarterfinals after a terrific but energy-sapping display against Spain. And the penalties, uh, we've, we've already mentioned some poor penalties. There were certainly some poor penalties in that particular game. This is a terrific... Terrific, terrific achievement for Morocco. And we will assess it and discuss it in just a second. But the Spanish press have been savage in their backlash of their team. Some of the headlines in the papers in the aftermath of that defeat. World Cup KO, disastrous, fiasco, finished. All the headlines that followed it. But let's focus on Morocco, Scott. And, you know, not only are they the first African uh, coached team to get to a World Cup quarterfinal, they're the first Arab nation to be able to do that as well and that has some resonance can they go again despite the fact that they went right to the very limit in the game against Spain yeah and the coach was only appointed in September wasn't he yeah amazing absolutely incredible won their group um tactics spot on against Spain just sit back let them play you know a thousand passes over and, and yet one shot on target and they looked dangerous in the game I thought they deserved to win the game outright let alone take it to penalties loving the Penenka penalty but I do think that that would have taken a lot out of them, both physically and emotionally. I really do. I don't know if all the lads would be 100% fit. Was it Agard who came off injured, whether he'll be, he'll be right or not? They need to be bang up it, bang up for it. They really do. And I, I think while psychologically, they'll obviously try to go again. I just wonder how much left is, is in the tank. And I just feel that Portugal, in the way that England sort of got their round of 16 game done and dusted by 45, 60 minutes, I think Portugal have got a lot more left in and I, I fancy them to go through. Okay, Morocco are the fourth African team to reach a World Cup quarterfinals. Cameroon, 1990, Senegal, 2002, and Ghana in 2010. But the first from the Arab world and at the first World uh, Cup in uh, an Arab country, that has a certain resonance and they'll be well back, won't they, Crook? Absolutely. There are Moroccan fans everywhere, particularly uh, in Souk Wakif, which has become the sort of fan hub. Uh, There was some in Piccadilly the other night. I mean, it was absolutely crackers in in London. I was in the TalkSport fan zone last night and, and they made such great noise. It was amazing. And, and it's brilliant. Um, it's brilliant for the tournament, I think, because a lot of the European nations haven't travelled uh, with the volume of supporters that they normally would for a World Cup. So I think the longer uh, Morocco and those wonderful fans stay in, the better for the competition. But I do agree uh, with Scott. I think if you look at the extra time uh, in that last 16 tie, that was a good advert for going straight to penalties because both teams were out on their feet. Neither side really showed the inclination to try and win the game without a shootout. I was disappointed by Spain. A lot of people were getting carried away by Spain after they beat 
Costa Rica by seven goals to nil. Somebody not too far from here actually tipped Spain as the winners. Uh, At least I kept with them the all winners. the way through to the last 16. I didn't change my mind three times during the course of the group stages. I just still went with it. They didn't even win their group in the end. So I can understand why the Spanish press have been so scathing. But I think Portugal will have too much from Morocco as long as they leave their pensioner on the bench. Yes, and talking of that pensioner, Ronaldo, look, he's obviously been a fantastic player, one of the best players ever to have graced the world stage. But is he deluded about his own importance? A great player who cannot quite accept that actually his team are better off without him. He wasn't named in Portugal's starting lineup for the game against Switzerland for the first time at a major tournament since 2008 when he's been available. And they looked liberated, didn't they? He's not going to get back in, is he, Darren? No, he's not. Uh, and I think it's fair play to manager because it was Eric, Eric Ten Hag was the first one who made the big decision, even though people were going against what he thought. And then we've seen the, the national team manager as well. He's made the same decision and it seems to have worked. And, and you can't hide the fact that Portugal look more, more rounded with him on the bench because we know how good he is. He's a, he's a serial goal scorer. If you give him the opportunities, he will always score goals because that won't, that never leaves you. But it's, it's all the other little things, the running around, the closing down, the pressing from the front. I think they just look more energetic without him. And it almost looks mm. like, when you look at some of the other players, like a weight's been lifted off their shoulders. I yeah. mean, Bruno Fernandes had a poor season last season by his own standards. This season for Manchester United has been good without Ronaldo in the side. And for Portugal, he's playing with this, this freedom as well. So it is a big decision. And listen, I don't think it's a lack of respect towards Ronaldo because if it's simply not working, you have to make a change. And the manager's done that. And I think that the whole team are going to benefit from that because all of a sudden now you'd have to be so one-dimensional. I, I, I think to say it's a big decision, I mean, you can't imagine how big a decision it is. This is one of the greatest players that's ever kicked a ball that still feels he can do what he needs to do. Still a massive personality. And if they'd have lost that game with Ronaldo sat on the bench, then everyone would have been at Santos. So, so much credit needs to go to, to him but I'm hearing within the Portuguese camp that actually they're not happy with Ronaldo themselves so they probably had a lot more respect for the manager by making that decision and then even I'm not saying they did actually sit down with each other and say come on we can do it without him but mentally they've definitely done that that was nothing short of a superb performance and, and a big answer to the question of Ronaldo yeah, the display actually was almost like a, a meeting of uh, of the squad saying, look, this is what we can do without you, by the way. So we don't necessarily need to have you in the starting lineup, fella. Um, tell us about Gonzalo Ramos. So every, every World Cup comes along. There's always a star that emerges. I go back to 1990 and watching the performance of Toto Scilacci. He's in the same mode. No one really was talking about him too much, apart from Southampton uh, back in the summer. But everyone's talking about him now after his hat-trick. Yeah, Southampton uh, will be ruining the fact they couldn't get that signing over the line. They were very close to a £25 million deal uh, with Benfica. I think you can probably double that price tag now uh, on the back of last night. But football is about seizing opportunity, seizing the moment. And my word, did he do that? It was an excellent striking display. Led the line superbly and probably uh, with uh, three strikes of the football ended Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal career. Croatia against Brazil is Friday afternoon, three o'clock. It's the first of the quarter finals live on talk sport brazil swaggered into the last day and they're going to face a very different challenge though scott when they come up against a croatia side that is stubborn resilient and are unbeaten in the last 10 games yeah look i mean i, I do think and both benty and i have said pre, pre-tournament we fancied brazil and i've seen nothing to change that at the moment you know defensively very very strong got so many good attacking players even without neymar they're, they're able to to win a game um i just feel that 
as good as a performance it was against South Korea, I mean, what are they doing and thinking going almost man to man? I don't know. I so mean, open. You know, if ever it's a kamikaze thing to do, it's, it, it's that. And it's like, wow. So again, fantastic performance from Brazil, but I don't think we can quite judge it in the way that it, it came across within that first half. I do though feel with, with Croatia, with Modric, I like Kovacic a lot. I like him for, for Chelsea, Perisic, Kramaric as well. And I just feel that the experience is almost gone the other way now. That the, 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 the legs aren't quite there, and you saw with the substitutions that the the coach made. And I'm thinking you need these guys on just in case it goes to penalties here, and yet they were taken off. And I think that tells you a lot. Again, another team that's gone the full distance, mm. and I just feel again with Brazil, you know, playing in second gear. Really, I think they're going to be too strong for them. Yeah, could this be the last games at the World Cup for Modric and Perisic? And maybe are they a little bit too over-reliant on the old boys' network now? Uh, possibly. I think it will be, certainly in, in the case of Modric, his last game at a World Cup, and you'd imagine Perisic as well. Um, I was at the Japan game and raised my eyebrows when the coach took off Modric. But actually, if you go back and look at it, it was because he was running on empty against a very energetic uh, set of opponents. So um, I think we have seen the best of Luka Modric and what a wonderful career he has had. But I think tactically, this is going to be a much more difficult game uh, for Brazil than they experienced against South Korea. Croatia will make it difficult for them to play they're going to have to be patient and they can't afford to have the front three not tracking back as they were at times against South Korea I know they were three or four nil up at that stage but the fact that those trio of attackers lost the ball in the in the South Korean penalty area and just didn't bother uh, to head back towards their own goal they can't do that against Croatia they really can't have three players out of the game when the opposition have got the ball um, Richarlison has scored as many goals 10 in nine appearances for Brazil this year as he has in 37 for Everton and Spurs combined does that tell us Darren Bent that he is a proper centre forward yeah I think that's where he wants to play ideally and you're right when he plays for Brazil um, it's almost like a, he's a different player but there are players I believe that are more suited to international football than say Premier League football or league football and I think Richardson's probably one of those now he, he probably wants to play centre forward and the way he plays for Brazil I think there's an argument to be made that he should be playing centre forward but unfortunately he's got Harry Kane ahead of him and he's, he's never ever going to pass him unfortunately because I believe as a centre forward Harry Kane's better but what he gives Brazil is not only his goals which he and his, his link up play it's his work rate he works incredibly hard off the ball he closes people down and he plays with this real energy and this real kind of vibrancy when he plays for Brazil. I haven't really seen that from him for a couple of seasons while he's been playing league football, but he certainly gives Brazil a different dimension. And for me, he's been one of the best centre forwards at this tournament, not just his goals, but his all-round play as well. I wonder whether or not Croatia will make this incredibly difficult for Brazil and it's going to be maybe like a narrow victory or they're going to try and do what they did in the previous World Cup, Scott, and just drag it all the way through to penalties again. I think that might be their only chance. Look, you've got incredibly experienced and technical players and Luka Modric has been one of the best players of, of his generation. He's been nothing short of superb. But as I say, they're a, they're a team that's perhaps a little bit are relying on the older players. The fact that, as Crookie's saying, that he w was running on empty tells the story. You know, to, to go again is going to be a very, very difficult thing to do. And they're up against the Brazil side who, you know, you know, they let's face it, they're in second gear. They they haven't really been tested. You know, they lost to Cameroon, but that was because they they changed the team. So they're, they're fresh. And I just don't feel that Croatia, they might get it to nil-nil at halftime, but I can't see that. I can see Brazil winning by a couple of goals by the end of the 90 minutes. 
Netherlands against Argentina is Friday night's big offering, 7 o'clock, live on Talk Sport. A renewed rivalry, scores to be settled. And we see them in the 1998 World Cup and that wonderful goal from Dennis Burkamp. The 1978 World Cup final. Uh, everyone remembers, or if you don't remember it, you've seen it uh, on archive footage. No doubt that Julian Alvarez has given them more legs and we are seeing the benefits of that. And our Argentina actually the team that started off the poorest and have grown into the tournament. Certainly. Um, I've seen a lot of their games and you mentioned Alvarez. He came on uh, in the match I talked about at the top of the pod against Mexico and really transformed that team and allowed Lionel Messi the space and freedom to weave his magic. Uh, and unlike Ronaldo, I think Messi has shown in this tournament that he can still carry the hopes of a nation on his shoulders. He is still so integral to what they do. And in terms of a Dutch perspective, this is a big step up in opponent for Louis van Gaal. So I've quite enjoyed being in and around the Dutch camp. Louis van Gaal... It's also a big step up for Argentina as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, although I think they had more difficult games in the group stage than the Netherlands did, not least because they put themselves up against it by losing the first one. But the camaraderie amongst the Dutch players, they know it's going to be Louis van Gaal's last tournament. I think they're determined to make sure they go out on a high. They've got Cody Gakpo, another player who Southampton nearly signed. Uh, they won't be signing him now, uh, who has been a breakout star at this World Cup. I think this is a fascinating game. I think this, apart from England-France, I think this is the best of the quarterfinals. Yeah, no major changes expected from Louis van Gaal, I don't think, Darren. A man not too often to deviate from his formula. I mean, the, the traditions of Dutch football are 4-3-3. Everybody plays total football and you create great, wonderful, beautiful um, theatre. That isn't the case with Louis van Gaal. He's all about winning. He is all about winning and this is going to be a difficult test. I mean, I, I like the Netherlands and I think I've enjoyed watching them play in this tournament but for me there's still something missing now what that something is I, do, I don't quite know but I, I can feel Argentina winning this not comfortably but I think they'll go through but as you said Gakpo he's really impressed me good young player that's been touted around some of the top clubs in Europe obviously you've got Virgil van Dijk defensively they're, they're strong but I don't know what it is about the, the Netherlands maybe they've got that syndrome of where Spain for so long with that Neely team until they finally got it done and then they were not taken seriously but they went on to win I know three I think from three majors in a row but for Holland at the minute I just feel there's, there's something missing whether it's that bit of star quality maybe it is that proper centre forward I know Gakpo's done well but I just can't see them getting past Argentina Memphis Depay's back in, in action now isn't he and I mean he could be an option in that forward area I mean they're, they're missing someone who's got a big physical presence up top maybe they haven't had the sort of the Burkamp figure of the past or a Rude Van Nistelrooy of the past or a Robin Van Persie or even a Nigel D. Young goes around kicking people in the chest but there is there is something <laughs> about this team isn't there there is, there is something about this team, but still, as you said there, yeah, Memphis Depay, and he always seems to do really well when he plays to plays for Holland. But when it gets to this this crunch time and top, top end, can you really rely on him? I'm not so sure. Sam, I, I think this is a really interesting game. I really do. Because before mm. the, the USA game for the Netherlands, I was like, I've not enjoyed watching them play and they are quite dour. And, and Van Gaal is quite open about being dour. But the tactics against the USA, spot on. Absolutely spot on. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a, a, a bigger step up, but I love Messi. I mean, I love Messi. I've gone on record saying this before, but he isn't the Messi of old. And if he is kept quiet for periods of time, as well as Alvarez has done, Martinez isn't doing particularly well. I think defensively, they're, they're not great. Now, this is a side against a really well-organized side would struggle if Lionel Messi doesn't do something special. I don't, I'm a little bit, I'm not quite sure which way this is going to go. I want Argentina to get through for Messi. I think they probably will, but I wouldn't put any money on it.
Um, Enzo Fernandez, who's made a bit of a difference to that midfield since coming in halfway through the tournament. In fact, he came off the bench in the first game and in the second one, actually very well against Mexico. Uh, scored a terrific goal in that match. Uh, he's got legs, he's got energy, plays for Benfica. He's the only young 21 years of age. His parents have got a townhouse just round the corner from where I'm staying. And every morning they put out their Enzo Fernandez banner. Um, and they're all sitting around this big table and, you know, obviously getting very excited about the prospect of their son performing at the, the World Cup. But that's what they need, isn't it? Someone a little bit, you know, with his sort of endeavour and energy and ability to actually run him beyond others in the team and make things happen, force the issue. Yeah, I think it'll be a big bonus for them if Di Maria is fit as well, because yes. I've been impressed with him. Um, Should be fit, in this tournament. after a thigh injury. Yeah, well, that will be a, that will be a big boost for them. Uh, again, their best players are going forward. Defensively, it is a bit of a concern. Otamendi isn't getting any younger. It's been a frustration for me that Lissandro Martinez hasn't been able to no nail down. No one's getting any younger, but sadly. <laughs> a place in that, that works. <laughs> a place in that starting lineup. Emmy Martinez is an interesting character because yeah. he's been brilliant uh, for Argentina for the p- past couple of years. I don't think he's been quite in top form for Aston Villa, so he, he will be important as well. But I agree with Scott. I think this is a game that can go either way. But let's be honest. Yes. We're neutrals. We want Brazil-Argentina in that semi-final. That is a blockbuster. We absolutely. want them both to go through. Ab- absolutely. Will we get it, though? That's the question. So let's ask our pundits and guess whether or not uh, they will be willing to give us their four semi-finalists. Uh, Darren Bent, let's start with you. So I'm going to go France versus Portugal. <laughs> Negative and, ninny. And Brazil-Argentina. Okay. Go for it, Scott. Okay. Brazil-Argentina and portugal Against England. Oh, repeat of 1966, Crook. I'm going to go Brazil, Argentina and Portugal against England. He'll change his mind three times between now (laughs) and the middle of next week. Don't worry about that. I'm going to go for Brazil against the Netherlands. And Ooh. France against Portugal. There's my prediction. So there you go. Oh, there you go. Did sit on the fence like the other two. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bold. Don't worry about that. Giving my opinion. <laughs> um, listen, thank you very much for joining uh, for joining us. Myself and Alex Crook will be back tomorrow with the Game Day World Cup podcast, which is available to download wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be with Kev Hatchard previewing uh, all of the big uh, action between England and France and the big game uh, between um, Portugal and Morocco. Uh, we'll do that after we've looked back at some of the uh, action from Friday night too for another Game Day World Cup podcast brought to you by the Samsung Neo Q. LED TV. Remember to get yourself down, if you can, to the fantastic Samsung store in London's King's Cross, uh, where you can actually visit where Scott and Darren are right now. Unfortunately, the boys won't be there because they've got homes to go to, but the Samsung Neo QLED TV will be there where you can enjoy yourself in the depth of limitless picture, breathtaking audio, and experience brilliant viewing at its best. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.